It's interesting because I, I will say there are different sets of hope. There's what will it look like for my kid to find faith in Jesus and to run to run after Jesus. And then there's the hope of what will it look like for my kid to be a functioning member of society. Mm-hmm. And two different hopes. And as parents, we actually have two roles. One is to help our kids become functioning members of society. And one is mm-hmm. to fall in love with Jesus. Uh, and we are responsible for both. Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. Welcome back to the second in our series of Our Christ Identity with Matt Larson. If you didn't hear the first one, please go back and listen to that. I absolutely loved when Matt talked about some of the truths about us that God speaks over us and some of the benefits we have as a child of God. It was podcast number 58, so go back and listen, and then come on back and listen to this part two as Matt Larson talks about some of the practical aspects of our identity in Christ. Let's hop in now. Okay, this Christ identity, as we walk through our day and we meet people and raise our kids, what can we lean on in a real practical sense? What could be practical about this other than just the way we see ourselves? How will that move out into actions? Yeah. Well, if you think about everywhere we go, our person affects other people. So we just sort of spill out on other people. And that could be from a conversation, that could be from uh, responsibility, whether we're a boss to people or an employee to bosses or parents to kids or friends, like all of those relationships, our person impacts other people and their experience. And that's just, that's human nature. That's sociology. That's not gospel or anything like that. If I have a Christ identity, then the things that spill out of me into other people are the grace of God. It is Christ. So if our goal is to parent our kids in a way that I mentioned creating a household of grace or just being a blessing or raising them up to love the Lord, not not to follow the rules of the church, which is just get that language out of here, but to Mm -hmm. love Jesus. So if I'm going to do that, then the Christ identity is going to be the thing that that actually operates from that overflow. So the practicals. It's just going through the day and thinking through how was God pouring into me today and how will that impact the people that I'm around? So just a a quick, you can tell me if this has ever happened to you, but how often do you spend time in a quiet time or devotional in the morning and then something happens later that day where a very relevant thing that you read that morning comes out? Like it's it's almost a one-to-one when you talk to Mm -hmm. people. What I studied in the scriptures this morning had an impact on some conversation or some situation where I'm like, oh, hey, uh, this just happened and it's relevant to this moment. It, it's unbelievable how often that happens. And so you think about that, like as I'm being formed in Christ, I, something specific like waking up and having Psalm 23 come off my lips, or maybe it's the Lord's Prayer, or maybe it's a scripture that you're memorizing, or maybe you're reading through the Bible in the year. That's not an isolated thing, but that actually you you finish those moments by saying, Holy Spirit, I know that was for me, but if that's for somebody else, would you help me have eyes for who that's for today? 
And so as you're going through, like our family right now is memorizing Galatians 5, 16 to 26. We do kind of like twice a year extended family. Everybody memorizes scripture and we come together at key points in the year and everybody says the the scripture and, uh, you know, my parents incentivize it a little bit, but it's a fun way to get scripture into, into the minds and hearts of our families. So we're memorizing Galatians 5, 16. So Paul says, I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's Galatians 5, 16. It just launches right out there. And it's, it's one of those things where honestly, for me, as I'm counseling my kids and walking through life with them, if I see their temptation to gratify the desires of the flesh, like there's just, it's such an easy thing to, to look at and say, okay, so we're looking at this walk by the spirit. You have less of an appetite for the things of the flesh when you're walking by the spirit. Because the Spirit's actually replacing your appetite for those things with this mm. appetite. It's something that you start to long for the fruits of the Spirit as they come out of your life in increasing measure. And so uh, maybe we drifted from practical, but what I will say is if you are, you're Psalm 1, if you're the tree planted by streams of water, you're meditating on the, uh, on the Word of God day and night, you're yielding its fruit in its season, your leaf does not wither. If you're Psalm 1, then you will bless the kids that God's entrusted to you because the things that he's pouring into you will become a blessing for those around you. And so that's the practical side of a Christ identity. If we're forming that and we're establishing that each day and we're reminding ourselves of that, the overflow hits our families in a profound way because they get to experience grace mom. They get to experience grace dad. Uh, as opposed to me finding my own identity, self-generating who I think I am based on all kinds of uh, broken inputs. And and then that spills out onto my kids. And I hear the word toxic thrown around a lot. It's a really mm. useful word because it just describes such a, okay, what is a toxic environment? Well, it's when my brokenness affects somebody else. Like that's that's toxic leadership or that's toxic parenting or that's a toxic household or a toxic school is when my brokenness is, it's like a, you think of those, a hazardous waste leak where everything is affected and they have to go in with hazmat suits to clean it up. If I wake up in the morning and I'm not centered on Christ and I have this idea of who I think I am and it's prideful or it's ashamed uh, or it's angry and these things are, are welling up in me, well, that spills out into my household. And that's where that toxic idea comes from is it just creates this hazardous waste environment, serious work to clean up. And so by centering on Christ, we actually limit that in a profound way and really give opportunity for our kids to thrive. Yeah, that's really good. And that brings to mind that so many of the spiritual disciplines, sometimes we can lean on them thinking they're legalistic or that we just have to do them. But that's not the point that that you're making at all. Those things that we do are what builds our Christ identity and brings us the grace to be able to share. I should say it's it's God's way of helping us form reminding patterns. Like the reality is we're not a nation like Israel where they would walk through their holiday seasons and have all these remembrances. We don't have temple rituals where we have all these remembrances. We do great with communion. That's something that that helps us remember, but that's once a week in our church. In a lot of churches, it's once a month. Mm-hmm. So spiritual disciplines, are you creating patterns of remembrance patterns of listening ears, patterns of soaking up the scriptures so that you can be that blessing to the people around you and, and that God's word is, is rumbling through your life and spilling over. Going back to Psalm 23, there's a great part of that where it says that you set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
uh, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. And that anointing with oil is oftentimes the Holy Spirit throughout the scripture, the, the picture of anointing with oil is the Holy Spirit filling us up. And then there's this cup runs over. And that's, that's the idea of, again, it's just like, I have an abundance to give because the Holy Spirit is on me. And that picture becomes, for us as parents, again, you run out of gas so fast. But if we look at, you anoint my head with oil, Holy Spirit, you have filled me up. My cup runs over. What I'm giving you right now is what the Holy Spirit has put in me. And now it's pouring out on you to be a blessing. And I just think it can be so critical for parents, especially ones that are just at the end of what they have to give. Mm -hmm. And it's happened to me. And I've been Mm -hmm. there many, many times. It's happened to all of us. So our identity fills us with hope. Yeah. Would you say that? I would. I, I would. I think that's a great way of putting that. Okay. And so what hope are we hanging on to? So have you heard the phrase already, not yet? Uh, it kind of gets thrown around. There's an author from back in the 40s named George Eldon Ladd. He was a professor at Fuller back in the day, did a lot of study on the kingdom of God. And I don't know if he coined the phrase, but he certainly used it a ton, the already not yet of the kingdom of God. So there are things that are true now, and there are things that are not yet true. Mm-hmm. So we are called holy and blameless, but I still have these sinful things that are a part of my life. Well, there's a day where there will be no sin. You know, that, those things will be completely eradicated from my life. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's like to picture who I will be without sin is hard to even imagine. And the picture of eternity, the hope that we have is Christ becoming more like him. And, and it doesn't mean that my personality goes away. It doesn't mean that who I am, the makeup of who I am goes away as I become more like Christ. It, it very much is, I am who I am by the grace of God. There's elements of who God has made me that will become increasingly Christ-like. And in eternity, those different personalities, it's not that we all become Christ's personality, it's that Christ character and righteousness affect each of us. And so then we would be living without any of those sinful hang-ons that are dragging us into this other place. Those are gone. So that's the hope of the future, but we're not in a world right now that likes to look at eternity. We like to hang our hope on today's transformation. You know, who's the best human I can become? I do think there's a great thing to saying, you know, in 25 years, who could I become if, if the Holy Spirit refines me for 25 years straight? There's some beauty to that. But there's also this element of we're supposed to live with Jesus' second coming, with eternity, with the hope for the future, with the world apart from sin. We're supposed to live with a sense of hope in those things. And so Christ in me is a first fruits, a foretaste, uh, a Costco sample of what is to come. And it's a picture of uh, what transformation can actually look like. So in terms of Christ identity, I've gone to 2 Corinthians a couple of times, but 2 Corinthians 5, I want to say 15 or 16, talks about how we, um, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. And there's a sense of we don't actually look at people just for the person that they are in this world. When we receive the gospel and we start to live with a, a kingdom mindset, well, we actually start to look at people through the lens of who could God make them to be through the power of the gospel? And that's what we start to operate with in people, even if they're not saved, even if they're just people in our workplace or neighbors or whatever. It's like, who could this person be if God got a hold of their heart? We start to learn how to see them the way that God sees them. Uh, I know what to do with you if you would submit to this 
trajectory of the spirit transformation in you. And so, you know, again, I think hope is we start to see the potential, that kingdom potential in people when we live with a Christ identity. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. And we see it in our kids. Yeah. Our little sinner kids right now can be misbehaving like crazy, but yet we can have the hope of the Christ identity in them. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I will say there are different sets of hope. There's what will it look like for my kid to find faith in Jesus and to run, to run after Jesus? And then there's the hope of what will it look like for my kid to be a functioning member of society? Mm-hmm. Two different hopes. And as parents, we actually have two roles. One is to help our kids become functioning members of society. And one is mm-hmm. to fall in love with Jesus. Uh, and we are responsible yeah. for both. And so you do train your kids how to handle money and how to speak respectfully to people and make eye contact and not to be on their phone 24-7. And those are, I mean, they can be spiritual disciplines, but they're not inherently spiritual disciplines. But mm-hmm. part of our job is to help our kids fall in love with Jesus. And that's that's a different task than just raising well-behaved kids. That's part of our job, but it cannot be our whole job. So mm-hmm. have these dual tracks. And if our kids never give their lives to faith in Jesus, then the, the great hope that they have is to become well-behaved members of society. And that's, there's limited hope to that. And I just want to say that, like to just focus on the behavior actually limits the scope of what God's asked you to do in the lives of your kids. To really help them fall in love with Jesus, that's where the true hope lies of what they can become. So just thought I'd mention that. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. So good. Would you, would you say there are requirements that come along with uh, identity in Christ? I don't know. It's kind of a hard question because... I don't know. You tell me if it's hard. No, it's, uh, it's hard and it's not hard. I'll tell you this. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't sanctify you apart from your participation in will. So we don't just give our lives to Jesus and then say, do whatever you want, Lord, and then go about our lives and live our own way and expect that change is going to happen. So it becomes really important for us to understand that if we want to experience the transformation that God has for us, we need to be participants in that. And that would qualify as a requirement. You are required to participate in your sanctification. And there's okay. many scriptures that talk about what that would actually look like. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is a great example. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a great example. I could go to the actual references, but just the, the pictures of, of let us cast off the sin and the things that so easily entangle and us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, or uh, therefore by the mercies of God, I appeal to you brothers to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So yes, there are requirements to this Christ identity. That being said, the gift of God's grace is that it is a gift. So there are not prerequisites. And I hope that that becomes clear in what I'm talking about. When you say yes to following Jesus, there's an element of it is the free gift of God. It, it comes to you at God's mercy. It is his gift to us. The Bible uses that language over and over and over. As we receive that gift, there is a stewardship of that gift that comes. And that's why maybe the word requirement is a hard one to use. Call it an expectation. Call it an activation of the gift of God. There are elements of you've been given something that has the power to change who you are, not just for eternity, but for today. And you have a part to play in that. So join in with with that process of sanctification and be an active and willing part of it. 
That's very similar with your kids. If you're disciplining your kids, they are to be participants in that discipline. You know, you can just put them in timeout and they have technically been in timeout for five minutes or whatever, because they, whatever, didn't clean their room, spent too much time on screen time or whatever. But as parents, part of us is we're actually trying to help them be participants in their own discipline, help them grasp the why, understand what, you know, what this discipline is meant to do and those types of things. I mean, it's a parenting podcast, so there's lots of parenting tips around how to best get your kids to, to be participants in their own discipline. But I think the idea is it's not just, it happens to them and they'll magically become well-behaved kids that love Jesus, but it's, they've got to be participants in it. They've got to be a part of this thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's so good. So that concludes part two of our Christ identity with Matt Larson. Next week, we will enjoy part three. And please come back and subscribe if you haven't done that yet. And also, there's a bonus next week. And that is, we're going to look at many, many things that God speaks over us when we are followers. And you won't want to miss it. I was very surprised when I first heard of all the things that God says about me. And I think you will be encouraged as well. So with that, have a great week. And remember to rest in the Lord this week. Mm -hmm.